0: If I could please have... Now, you just keep that thing up. Don't touch that. No, touch that. On the other table, please, would you please get for me in that... No, no, Doc. No. no, it's right here. Please get for me my um, cheap guitar music. Oh, it's perfect for this. Just perfect. And there aren't many things in this life, believe me. Oh, believe me, daddy that are perfect. That's right. That's exactimo. Indeedimo. Just let it go any Just Just set it right down in the middle of it and let her slide. Don't go. Don't. Don't. Ah, that's better. Much better. Ah, the kids are going, huh? women and children have departed. The beautiful thing about living in New York over the Fourth of July weekend is that it's like, have you ever had the feeling that you would like to go into a big castle, a palace, and be the only person there? And you could run up and down the halls. And you you could push over suits of armor. And you could stand and look at the great tapestries, and maybe even pick up a battle axe and just kind of swing it to get the feel of it, you know, to get the heft of it, just through the air. You're running through these great halls. Oh, that's the way New York. There's hardly any more exciting feeling that I know of in this day and time than to be in New York when everybody else is gone. It's fantastic. I wouldn't be anywhere else. Anywhere else. And so now the women and children have gone. In fact, all the people are gone. Everywhere. I'm here and you're there, Peggy and Fitzgerald. We're the only two people. You're listening, I'm sitting. And, and in those of you, you know, there's a few, a pure, a pure essence of humanity out there, whose toes never point right when their shoes are removed. Let's put it this way, my dear. Let's put it this way. When you were a tadpole, and I was a fish, in the Paleozoic time, and side by side on the ebbing tide we sprawled through the ooze and slime, or skittered with many a caudal flip through the depths of the Cambrian fen. Oh, my heart was rife with the joy of life. For I loved you even then. Mindless we lived. Mindless we loved. And mindless, at last we died. And deep in the rift of a caradoc drift, we slumbered side by side. The world turned The world turned on in the lathe of time. The hot sands heaved amain until we caught our breath from the womb of death and crept into life again. We were amphibians, scaled and tailed and drab as a dead man's hand. We coiled at ease neath the dripping trees or trailed through the mud and sand, croaking and blind with our three-clawed feet, writing a language dumb. With never a spark in the empty dark to hint at a life to come. And happy we loved, happy we lived, and happy we died once more. And our forms were rolled in the clinging mold of a neo comian shore. The eons came, and the eons fled and the sleep that wrapped us fast was riven away in a newer day, and the night of death was past. Then, light and swift through the jungle trees, we swung in our airy flights, or breathed in the balms of the fronded palms and the hush of the moonless nights. And, oh, what beautiful years were these when our hearts clung each to each, when life was filled and our senses thrilled in the first faint dawn of speech... Thus, life by life and love by love, we pass through the cycles strange, and breath by breath, and death by death, we follow the chain of change. Till there came a time in the law of life when over the nursing sod the shadows broke, and the soul awoke in a strange, dim dream of God. I was thewed like an auroch's bull and tusked like the great cave bear. And you, my sweet, from head to feet were gowned in your glorious hair. Deep in the gloom of a fireless cave when the night fell o'er the plain and the moon hung red o'er the riverbed, we mumbled. We mumbled the bones of the slain. I flaked a flint to a cutting edge and shaped it with a with a brutish craft. I broke a shank from the woodland dank and fitted it, head and haft. And then I hid me close to the reedy tarn where the mammoth came to drink. Through brawn and bone I drave the stone and slew him upon the brink. Loud I howled through the moonlit wastes. Loud answered our kith and kin. From west and east to the crimson feast the clan came trooping in. O'er joint and gristle and padded hoof we fought and clawed and tore, and cheek by jowl with many a growl we talked the marvel o'er. I carved that fight on a reindeer bone, with rude and hairy hand. I pictured his fall on the cavern wall that men might understand, for we live by blood and the right of might. Ere human laws were drawn, and the age of sin did not begin till our brutal tusks were gone. And that was a million years ago, in a time that no man knows. Yet, here tonight, in the mellow light, we sit at Sardi's. Your eyes are deep as the Devon Springs. Your hair is as dark as jet. Your years are few... Your life is new, your soul untried. And yet, our trail is on the Cummeridge clay and the scarp of the purbeck flags. We have left our bones in the bagshot stones and deep in the coralline crags. Our love is old. Our lives are old. And death shall come amain. Should it come today? man may say, we shall not live again. God brought our souls from the Tremadoc beds and furnished them with wings to fly. He sowed our spawn in the world's dim dawn, and I know that I shall not die. I know that it shall not die. Those cities have sprung above the graves where the crook boned man made war, and the ox wain creeks or the burdened caves where the mummied mammoths are. Then, as we linger at luncheon here, over many a dainty dish, let us drink, let us drink anew to the time when you were a tadpole and I was a fish. How can how can you better say it, you know? How can you better say it? It's that it's that confound, consigned thing it keeps rolling on like a fantastic tumbleweed. Did I ever tell you about the time my kid brother got caught in a tumbleweed for over three days? Just all tangled up. It was an awful mess. Came home, and sat and scratched, and once you have been caught in a tumbleweed, you never forget it, Daddy. Ever. So don't give me that jazz about how you're civilized and you've made it. Oh, no. Let me tell you, if... if You know, we're all caught in some terrible, fantastic thing. If I wasn't caught, if I wasn't caught in such a way, I mean, you you get caught by... Well, there's an expression for it. I mean, where you get caught? There's an expression for it, and I can't say it because you know how our civilization is. It's ridiculous. But I'll tell you, if I wasn't caught by... I mean, if if, if, if it was another way, let's put it that way, I mean, being... I'll tell you what. One time, one time... Listen to this. Can you imagine anything as exciting as this? Listen to this. When I was a a tadpole, I got an offer. I had just gotten out of the Army, see? I'm telling you some some past real-life history. I got out of the Army, see? And I'm slugging it out in these miserable classes and the origins of English words and phrases. I'm slugging it out in courses called uh, Latin one and two. Organic Chemistry 101B, and I'm sling- you know, I'm going through this, this real world, and at nights I'm working in a radio station, see. I'm doing all these things. I'm, I'm doing these things. And slowly, by tiny, tiny inches, my fame grew. I began by doing the English cut-ins on a Lithuanian man on the street broadcast. That was just a first round. After that, I was given my own program, a program that was heard every morning at 5.30 a.m., a program of Elmer Road Heaver hymns recorded, in which I did the commercials between. But it was my first program. I was beginning to inch my way up and up and up, inch by inch, moment by moment. It looked like any, any day now. The next assignment, I was Cousin Jean on a hillbilly teenage program where I had to talk like this. And I was beginning to really feel it. I mean, you know, I was tearing aside. Well, one day I got a fatal, a fatal special delivery letter. I've only gotten three special delivery letters in my life. But this one came, and here I was. I was maybe, you know, I was just beginning to see that there was a world out there. I mean, that there was something beyond Western Avenue. I was beginning to understand that... that, that Out past Howard Street, there was something, and that if you went if you went out the other side of of the municipal airport, there was something out there, and over beyond the lake, the big old lake, there was so oh, Babylon, I was just beginning to understand this thing and I got and it was beginning to already do its terrible work it was already beginning to to erode me you see this city is the worst seducer in the world it erodes it cuts and digs and grinds and 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 makes you into little things that finally you begin to read magazines like Esquire and believe New York is like that, you know. All the guys who make it sit around and tell all the other guys who haven't made it how it is to have made it. You know, guys like Truman Capote, I, my attitude towards New York, how it looks to me. <laughs> Let's get some little out of work nothing living up on the Grand Concourse and have him write two paragraphs, O oh Esquire, on how New York looks. They're probably the best two paragraphs you ever printed. You know? I mean, you know, just sit and talk to him for ten minutes and put it down verbatim. This is the way one guy saw it. Well, anyway, slowly but surely, the strings are being drawn, and I didn't realize it. And I got this special delivery letter, which I opened. The special delivery letter said, Dear Mr. Shepard, I own a string of radio stations in Alaska. We've been watching your work. This is a true story. Uh, it's It's emblazoned in my mind. I own a string of radio stations in Alaska, four of them. Juno, Nome, Anchorage. Oh, I can't even... I mean, you know, four of them. We would like to have you come up and run our Juno radio station. We will provide you with a cabin. A cabin! <laughs> a cabin. We will provide you with a cabin. Now, here were the terms of the deal. You come on up here, we'll give you one hundred bucks a week. We will give you all the all the all your expenses. That includes food. That includes uh, oh bait. I mean, you know, and it includes cartridges for your thirty oh six. We will rent you a gun at reasonable rates. We will provide you with a parka, time payments. I mean this is exactly what they said. You have to sign a contract for one year and come on up and run this radio station, saying. And, and 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 in addition to that, after the year, we will give you 30 days vacation. We will pay your transportation back to Seattle. Oh, I mean, you know, back from the from the timberline. I mean, this is a, the wildest offer I ever got. Just back to Seattle. From then on, you're on your own. You want to ride the rods? Okay, 30 days vacation. And furthermore, we will. Furthermore, speaking of wild offers and the timberline and the this is W O R A M and F M New York boy we are in the wilderness that's another story another kind of wilderness i mean there is a wilderness within a wilderness within a wilderness you know just as there are many mansions there are many wildernesses and many gods and boy we are in a wilderness now i mean it's a dark dark one and so anyway it said in addition to that mr Shepard, we are going to make it we're going to make it possible uh, so that you can I mean, live the right life here. We're going to make it possible that you meet proper friends. And furthermore, after one year, we will increase your salary to $115 a week. Now, all of this money will be deposited in a Swiss bank. I always wanted to have a job where they deposit the money in a Swiss bank. I mean, I want that kind of life, you know. I mean, I'm sure Chase is friendly but there's something really swinging about a Swiss bank with well, your cable, you know, send back, I, I want this kind of thing, you see. Well, nevertheless, I, I read this thing. I read it, you know, and I, and I was excited. Wow, see, now, look at this guys. Huh. And, and, and every one of these, these, these guys who were doing things like the Elmer Road Heaver Gospel Hour and guys who were doing the, the English cut-ins on the Croatian Hour, all of them looked at me and said, what are you, 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 you do this a ridiculous thing for? I says, well, well look, at, look at this. Alaska. Alaska. It's Alaska. Are you insane? Are you out of your mind, you fool? I says, but it's Alaska. I mean, Kodiak bears. Salmon so big that they jump out and nip at your fanny. I mean, it's fantastic. I said, are you out of your mind? I said, no, look around us. Here we're in this little dank radio studio with the liana vines growing up the side and the old the old Wayne King records that we played over and over and over again, and in the middle of this, the, the music was playing in the background, and it was Bing Crosby singing to a ukulele, singing about blue Hawaii. And, and once, every once in a while, the announcer who was arguing with me would get up and make an announcement to the effect that Bing sings every day at the same time, on record, old record. And he's telling me I'm insane because I want to go to Alaska. I says, but why? Alaska, fellas. And three of them looked at me with one eye. And all three of them said, if you go anywhere, man, there's only one place to go in New York. I mean the Big Apple. That's the big time. You could stand right next to Andre Baruch. Right up there with Frank Gallup. With Kenny Delmar. And all the while, the Bing Crosby record was going, in blue Hawaii. We didn't have $3 between us. Or one decent suit, as a matter of fact. It goes on and on. And I'm sitting there, and I looked at this letter, and I'll tell you what I did. I looked at the three guys, and I said, You're right. Oh, and now, now, of course, now I, the, the, I, I I'm, you see, what happens is, i tell you, it happens to horse players. I mean, if you lose the first 500 races, you, you get to the point, you know, but if you, if you lose 484 races and win the 485th, you're dead. I mean, you're going to sit there on your, on your duff for the rest of your life, feeding the machine you think, oh, I would love to go to Alaska now? I mean, just fantastic. I'd love to go to Alaska. I mean, really. Hawaii, nah. I mean, this sounds like a gigantic, nedic stand with, with false, you know, with reeds hanging down, papaya juice on every corner and, and all the real estate operates. But, no, I mean, really. I mean, up really, Alaska. What have we done? I mean, what have you done? Don't laugh at Shepard. What have you done, you clown? Look at us. Look at us. It's getting to the point now where if you have to travel four four hours and you see one little piece of ocean, do you know that I traveled for, for uh, at least 25 miles on Long Island looking for a place where I could get out of my car and walk down to the ocean? Every place I said, it private beach, stay out. Only for the residents of Babylon. I live in Babylon, this is what you call Babylon. Only for the residents of Sodom, only for the residents of Gomorrah. Down the street is only for the residents. Oh, you know, and you just you, you drive on and on and on. I drove on and on and on through the night one night, and I finally arrived at the end of a, at the end of a long drive, and I got out, and there was a, finally there was a place, and I went down through this little drive, and I got all the way down, and there was a big sign that said Sanctuary, Keep Out. Travel at your own risk. Sanctuary. Well, here I'm sitting, see? There you're sitting. And Alaska is up there. We are here, Daddy. Here. I mean, you know, frittering it away. What for? I mean, who knows you know what for? Some clown up in, up in Westport says, For my kids. Oh, Yeah. My foot! Your kids'd go out of their skull if they ever landed in Alaska. Let me tell you, for your kids. He says, "Well, well, I'm, I've got a career here—a career. <laughs> you call that piddling little business you're involved in every day a career? Come on now, career, Schmear." Then he draws himself full up. And says, "Well, I've got my home almost paid for. Home." <laughs> oh, that poor little pitiable plaster box. Hm. Well, at least I have my good books. Books you haven't read since you stopped taking the Reader's Digest because people were giving you dirty looks on the train on the way back to Westport. Oh, yeah. I tell you about these two friends of mine who were riding the train to Darien. They saw this happen. There were two guys sitting down the aisle from them, and they both began to fall asleep. One guy looked like the Grandpa Charlie type, the other guy was thin and crew cut, elderly crew cut. And they both fell asleep, and simultaneously, when the train gave a jerk, their heads jerked forward, and both of them cracked together like two coconuts. Clock! They both woke up swinging at each other. They fought all the way to (laughs) Darien. Just thought you ought to know, for what? Sir, that's my baby. No, sir, don't mean maybe. The paleolithic remains. That's what for? That's all. Deep down within the heart of each one of us, there beats, believe me, there beats the untamed pump, the untamed pump of a true Neolithic man, a Neanderthaler. Don't think for a minute he's changed. All you've got to do is blow the whistle, shoot off three mortar shells, and the Neanderthal comes out, and we're all going up the beach right away. Don't think for a minute it's its, it's, it's not. Uh, all we need is, a, uh, is an excuse, that's all. A legal one. The guys who let her come out illegally wind up, I mean, you know, with the doors slammed on them and all that. We're looking always for a legal way, you know, to heft that old Thompson submachine gun and feel that belt around your hips with eight grenades hanging down there over your fanny. You know, I know this thing. Have, have you ever seen these guys in the movies, by the way, throw grenades by pulling the pin with their teeth? Do you ever see anybody ever do that in the Army, any UGIs? Ever. No teeth. Look, Charlie. Ah, look, no teeth. <laughs> that takes quite a pull there. I'd like to see Wally Beery pull one of those, and his, his uppers come right out. <laughs> uh, you know, that's like shooting from the hip, another great American myth. <laughs> I remember one time I went out on the 45 range and started, I, I tried the first one with the, from the hip. You know, I'd seen John Wayne do it so many times. Pow! I got a first sergeant three counties over. <laughs> oh, not, not on the, but on the trajectory. <laughs> oh, you know, what are you going to do? You, you, you know, I mean, what are here? You see, this, this, each one of us, Live we get drifts slowly gathering up around us. Now you just heard Lester Smith do the newscast, didn't you? Now this is called news. Well it is, I suppose, but actually all it does is describe events. The real news would be news that describe people. I mean, what is happening to people. This would be the real news. Because, I mean, all these events are forgotten. Everybody forgets the events, you know? I mean, can you tell me what events you were swinging with in 1947? That you sat there and said, yeah, yeah. Mm, yeah. No, you can't, you know? They're gone. But if, but, but if we could somehow capture the essence of people. Now, I have, I have prepared a newscast of items that I have removed from the newspapers. Within the past, well, five days of the real news of what mankind is doing. The real news. I mean, the real news. You all ready for the... the... And now, ladies and gentlemen, it's time now for the real news program with H.G. Grubbage, world commentator, author, lecturer, gourmet, man about town, bon vivant, and seer. Uh, Mr. Grubbage reports every evening at this same time with the real news, the news behind the news, behind the people. And now here he is, Mr. Grubbage. Good evening, Americans everywhere. Robert's you. A woman passenger became so incensed yesterday when a Lexington Avenue bus failed to stop at the corner where she wanted to get off that she whiffed off one of her shoes and hit the driver smartly between the shoulder blades twice. And now, more news. A disappointed television viewer took a spring revenge yesterday, armed with a 21-pound sledgehammer, he went to the shop where he had bought his defective set and smashed every television set in sight. And now, from South Bend, Indiana... A modern youth went on an interesting rampage yesterday afternoon. At an early morning hour, a 16-year-old youth picked up a cement block in South Bend, Indiana, hurled it through a department store window, then removed a bicycle and several other items in the display. Shortly afterwards, he was apprehended by the police as a suspicious character because he was riding down the middle of the street at that hour waving an American flag. When it was discovered that he had pilfered the bicycle and several other items on his person, and he was asked why, he replied, that's the way I saw them do it on TV. (laughs) Lewis J. Christopher Jr. of St. Louis complained the day before yesterday, that a helicopter had severed the string leading to his kite, that he was flying from a tennis court south of Forest Park, which is a residential suburb of St. Louis. And now, sports news brought to you at this time by... The WOR Sports Department. The American Legion baseball game between Revere and Beverly was held up for more than a half hour last night by a 60 year old Revere woman who sat on home plate until removed by the police. The woman perched herself on the plate at Paul Revere's stadium in an attempt to block the game because a foul ball had broken a window at her home several weeks prior to the contest in question. Game officials called for police aid when they could not coax the lady off home plate. Revere was leading 8 to nothing at the end of three and a half innings when the untoward incident occurred. Revere policemen managed to soothe the irate woman after several long discussions. The remaining inning was completed before darkness set in. Revere won the ball game 8 2 2. And so, you have heard the news of people as they are. Good evening, Americans. And before we leave you this night, we would like to provide you with our thought for tonight. Sit it out. It might work out after all. Rub it here. Good night. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to News Behind the News, Behind the People That Make the News. The inside story of mankind. Brought to you each week at this same time with international... H.C. Grubbidge, who will be back again at this same time next week. Stay tuned for the Ed Sullivan Show, which follows in just 30 seconds. Those were real news notes. <laughs> you want to hear more? Oh, no, no, no. I mean, you see, you, it's, it's hard enough to face the facts, you know? To face things the way they really are without facing things the way they really are. Speaking of facing things the way they really are... Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, hey, listen, by, by uh, kind of a, a side sidelong glance, well, there's no. I mean, you know, you can push and you can pull and you can tug and you wind up, you know, where you wind up, you know. Uh, I have you seen in the current in the current New York Times uh, book review section? There's a, a big review on a dictionary of slang. Have you seen that? Well, there's a big review. It's the cover review, as a matter of fact. Well. I, I, I'll i tell you, I feel like I have really made it now. I mean, I have made it. You know, I, I, in, in a, I would never have dreamed when I was a kid that this could ever possibly have happened. I have made the dictionary. I'm serious. I am in the dictionary. On page 130 of the new slang dictionary, Wentworth and Flexner's Dictionary of American Slang, that I... I I have contributed a word that has become part of American slang. It it's a great feeling, you know, to know that you really have somehow affected your your you know your time, your country. And and I'm telling you this is a true story. And the word was a word that came out of a show, a late night one of the all-night shows I was doing back in 1957. In 56, as a matter of fact, was when this word came out. Can you, can you tell me what the... It's not really a word, it's a phrase. Can you give me which phrase you think it was? And it really did come out of the show. I mean, it just, it just came out, uh, part of a thing I was doing, and it began to catch on, and a lot of people began to use the phrase until even today now, people come to me and tell me the phrase. and you know, feels kind of silly. And it isn't night people. Although night people is in the dictionary, they do not give me credit for night people. Isn't that sad? No, maybe it's just as well i don't know uh but uh the term is this all right, all right i'll tell you what I will award the, bra- the we'll really put the old listeners on the test. any of you old listeners who might possibly think you know what phrase it was uh give us you know get give us a call here, and we will award the brass Piggy with bronze oak leaf palm and if i c and if the guy who calls up with it uh and and you get him on the phone there, and I want to talk to him. Yeah, huh? I'll tell you. You just come in here, and and uh, and I'll award the brass figley with bronze oak leaf palm. What a what a what a fantastic uh, feeling it is to know that you're in the dictionary. You know, <laughs> just out of out of the blue. There it is. Uh, there it is. See, there it is. Now, who 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 uh, who's the winner? So long, Don. Uh, who's the winner? You know, speaking of winners, there are signs everywhere. I mean, really signs. A guy a guy wrote a note to me. He's got he just bought himself this this super high fidelity FM tuner. And he's got me coming through a big preamplifier now, and I'm going through a 60 watt Macintosh amplifier into a giant pair of wharfdales. And he's listening to me on FM, and he says, Shepard, do you realize, he says, I, I, you will be pleased to know that you are a truly lo-fi personality, full of hiss, scratch, and rumble. Don't tell me, there's a chick who knows. All right, hello, hello. Yeah. Well, how did you know? Oh well actually they they didn't have it you really think that they were responsible for it Yeah but uh it was terrible picture yeah but that actually was the right one that's true uh but it did not come out of that magazine you know it came out uh, out of the radio show and uh did you didn't hear the original show though I see Well, it was about then. It was 1957, I think, 56. Yeah, so it wasn't... uh, It was about when you just started... Maybe you weren't, you know, you weren't listening. Uh, That came out about 3.30 in the morning, I might point out. It came out, a big bolt of lightning came through, and I realized what was wrong with our country. (laughs) Yeah. Uh Uh-oh, don't use that phrase, dear. what, What you just said. Say it again. Yeah, that might be why we're getting it. (laughs) We're pushing it too far. Okay, baby. Thank you. She's cute. She sounded like Bonnie Baker with a cold. I will award you the Brass Figlige with Bronze Oak Leaf Palm if you can tell me what band Bonnie Baker sang with. I mean, and meant. furthermore, if you can tell me what was the vocal group that sang with her. Now, I don't know. I mean, scratch, rally, I mean, it, uh, don't, don't, uh, just just don't, don't push me. Oh, hey, and, and since this is Fourth of July, and obviously nobody's listening, uh, everybody's out of town. We have a minus rating. There's no, no question about it. Uh, several people have called in and made a request, and I'm going to honor that request. You got it set up in there? Yeah, that. Several people have called in, and here it is. I, I once every four years, since the election, the big convention is now getting ready to go. The first convention, I guess, starts uh, this coming week, this weekend, uh, this weekend, isn't it? Uh, once every four years, it's like uh, it's like if Christmas came once every ten years, uh, and every ten years everybody gets out white Christmas. Uh, once every four years. The American Convention convention uh, fascinates me more than almost anything that we do. Uh, I have attended one convention and I will never forget it. I just went there as a kind of reporter and I absorbed this thing. And there is something about conventions that brings out everything in American life. Everything. Fantastic dreams, fantastic phoniness, fantastic platitudes, and all, the, all the, the great panoply that goes to make up a kind of dream life that we're all involved in, the belief that one man can come and save us. This is one of the great, one of the great human fallacies. The belief that somehow man is perfectible. This, too, is one of the things that, that crops up constantly in conventions. Another thing that crops up in conventions is the terrible urgency on the part of everybody to somehow somehow at all costs get on the right side of God which is to say be on the right side of the guy who gets the nomination even if you've been a- after him and against him for six years before speaking of that did you see this beautiful piece that James Reston wrote in the Times about Ike's speech I came back, you remember, and gave that speech. This is, this is one of the parts of American life, by the way, where, where advertising has really taken over. Nothing bad happens in the advertising world. You know that. Nothing really bad. Nothing bad in the whole world of the promotional life that we live. For example, the, the, the description that Russ gave me the other night that, that said, uh, Madison Avenue's new definition of death is nature's way of telling you to slow down. Is probably as close to the <laughs> as close to the truth. Uh, everywhere you look, you see ads for cemeteries that say that they're designed for the living and they're kind of fun cemeteries. Uh, it's all Madison Avenue, and it's getting to be part of it. Today, I heard a minister on the on the uh, television. He was talking about talking about religion. He was saying that that uh, one of the things wrong with with religion today is that the, the churches look like churches, you know. And that ministers keep using words like uh atonement keep <laughs> using words like uh like sin keep using words like uh such terrible words as uh oh uh crucifixion i mean these are scary words I mean they keep using words like redemption uh and so forth and of course all these words are not today words i mean uh and so he was suggesting, and seriously he was saying that religion should get should make its he he said it with a sense of satisfaction. This is what frightened me. He was describing a church out on Long Island that was very successful. And he says the reason it was successful was that they got this terrific architect who came around and made a church that looked like a supermarket. He says it was beautiful, it had all this, this fluorescent lighting and it had plastic and all the windows and glass and everything. And I was thinking now here, here we finally come to where the real heart of the matter lies, you know, that the real worshiping is about to begin. <laughs> if you ever try, if you ever, if you ever really, uh, if you ever really were going to chase the money changers out of the temple, daddy, there would be no temple anymore. And so uh, I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm, I'm roaring, you see, and I, and I began to realize this is all part of the whole convention world. That, and, and these guys get up, and not one of them really is against sin, or really is is for this, or really is against that, because of the terrible, hard facts of the, the of the reality of man comes through when you try to do any of these things. I ever tell you about the the reform mayor who got elected in Chicago, and everything was great until he started to reform. Everybody elected him because he said he was going to reform, and three minutes after he got in, there were lynching parties being formed among honest citizens. (laughs) He was honest, you know. He he was in exactly one term. He got four notes from the black hand. He got ten petitions from the local local theological students. Everybody was mad. Everybody was mad. And by the end of his second month, he shut up and just sat on his duff for the next four years. (laughs) Al Capone was voted back in. And, you know, speaking of, uh, speaking of Al Capone, there is one of the most wild marquees I've ever seen in my life. Right on Times Square, it shows you uh, how our values are getting all balled up. There's a sign that says, this movie, and it, it tells about the case, has, has Al Capone's guts and Marty's heart. Somehow Al Capone is... <laughs> That's exactly what it said. Oh, Al Capone has got guts. That's the last thing he had. All he had was a lot of guys with guns. It doesn't take guts. And, and, and somehow... Uh, oh, by the way, another thing that, that bothers me is that every time we do a, uh, a movie about crime, the poor little idiots who make these movies and the poor little idiots that go and sit in the seats and watch these movies obviously have never had any contact with crime outside of the pages of, of Argosy and Blue Book and maybe Earl Stanley Gardner. Criminals all are very colorful guys in these things. Some of the dullest people I've ever known were racketeers, by the way. Uh, A crime, somehow, the criminal is is inevitably a a sort of romantic man. He's romantic. He's a a nonconformist. He really fights, you know, and all this. Oh, no. Let me tell you. Uh, if anybody, I, I, I happened to—did I ever tell you what Dillinger? I saw a film about Dillinger one time, and I'm telling you, this is a sickness in our world that will do such a thing. Speaking of sickness, this is W O R A M and F M New York. We'll be here till one o'clock. Speaking of sicknesses, uh, I saw a film a couple of years ago about Dillinger, and I, they called me over here, you know, and, and uh, they said to come and see the film. Uh, we think you might like it. And I says, I like it, a film, uh, Dillinger? The guy says, yeah, it's great. So Shepard is down there in the darkness watching a previewed uh, thing of Dillinger. Well, of course, it, ca- it wound up Dillinger is a kind of folk hero. We have this thing in America where we make folk heroes of criminals. We really do. Carol Chessman is one. Uh, Dillinger, certainly. Uh, it goes all the way back to Jesse, Jesse James, uh, Billy the Kid is always a guy who was shot in the back by a coward, you know? He's always a, a wrong guy. Oh, yeah? And all the way up and down, we've done this. And so I'm sitting there, and here is Dillinger, and somehow Dillinger is a colorful guy, and you feel kind of bad when he gets it in the end. The the movies are kind of slanted that way that you feel bad when they get it. And and I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, what is this? And it's over, and they turn up the lights, and here's this, this happy-looking producer sitting next to me. And uh, he says, how'd you like it? I said, it's one of the sickest pictures I've ever saw. I've ever seen. I've never seen anything as sick as this. He said, what do you mean? He said, "Why, well, it's fantastic. I says, wait a minute, Daddy. I want to say one thing. Do you know anything about Dillinger? Anything about Dillinger? And he says, well, of course. We researched it completely. Research. Come on now. Do you know anything about Dillinger? Did you get anybody in? Anybody? Outside of some guy who wanted his name on the on the uh, credits for the picture, you know? Did you get, really get in anybody? Did you... He says, well, I don't know what you mean. Yes, we had uh, several of the police... I said, let me tell you about Dillinger. This happened two blocks from my home. You want to hear about Dillinger? Two blocks from my home, there was a little bank in this town in northern Indiana. And one quiet Friday afternoon, just before closing time, a large black automobile pulled up before this bank. Six men got out. Two of them stayed outside in front. One guy stayed at the wheel. And the rest of them went in and immediately fanned out, carrying great big fat old Roscoe's. You know the expression. And they fanned out. And immediately, of course, the people all froze One of them walked over to an old guard who was standing next to a a long glass table that had blotters on it, shoved his Roscoe right under his floating rib, and pulled the trigger. Another one walked right up to the the teller, who was a man of 48 years old, rimless glasses, a little thin, tiny individual, shoved his Roscoe through through the bars directly between the eyes. Have you ever seen a man who was hit between the eyes with a 45? And they began to scoop up everything in sight. Everyone stood. They they walked out. By the way, the leader of it was John Dillinger. They walked out with five valises. They always used black valises. They called them valise bandits. They walked out with five valises full of $10 and $20 bills. They didn't take anything bigger. And they got into the car. They turned the car around. And they drove down the street, one block, and there standing at the corner was a policeman who did nothing all day long but help school kids across streets. He was right in front of a school, a guy about 62 years old. You know the summer kind of policeman, you know, with the, with the sleeves cut off? And he's standing there in the middle of the street, just standing there. The car pulled right up in the middle of the intersection. One of the guys leaned out of the window and says, Come here, bud, pretending they were looking for instructions. The old man walked over... One of them stuck the Roscoe out, out of the window, the back window, in his back and says, How do you like this, Dad? Pow! A 45 shot through the back. Have you ever seen what happens when a slug goes out the front? It ain't colorful, Daddy. And this was at about 2.30 in the afternoon. The car slowly drove down the street. Two shots were fired up in the air. They put it in high and they stepped on it the boys had done another job don't tell me about it I refuse to make folk heroes of this this madness this insanity and and yet we constantly do it pretty boy Floyd he lived, he lived big signs, come and see what is the sickness in us that does this So I can only deduce, after it's all said and done, that underneath all of us there lies this lawless, terrible creature, which we love to see portrayed on the screen, which we, if somehow situations, times, and places had been different, we would have been. Why do we constantly write about war? We love it. Of course we love it. Let's face it. We constantly write about it. We constantly make great movies where somehow the war seemed like an awfully exciting thing. And, and every twenty years, the people who were never in a war are now ready to go to one. I'd love to have a war start. A lot of people, a lot of young kids, because it's an exciting thing. Oh no. Oh no. I have stood too long in the rain with a poncho over my head. I have I have stood in too many mess halls. I have heard I have heard too many I have heard too many P-51s go through the trees at full throttle. You know, and it ain't funny. Never. Only, only in retrospect does it become an idealized picture. And this is one of the beauties of man's mind. He can idealize everything after it's over, except peace, (laughs) which he, which he suspects is the unnatural state anyway. Speaking of, speaking of the states of mind, I've been talking about the Village Voice for a long time. And there's only one thing I can really say about The Voice that is important, that I could read you pieces, I could do all this. I can say this. One, The Village Voice is important enough that one of the top publishers in the world has just completed the compilation of a Village Voice reader of all the fine pieces that have appeared in The Voice. We might as well do this, you know. I went to this convention, see, and I'm impressed by the dream quality of it. And, and let me tell you, the dream quality is getting out of hand in our world. Listen to this little news item before we play this thing, and you will understand what the nature of our problem is, why we no longer can face anything without flinching. Uh, it's like James Reston writes this piece, well, I'll get back to it, about Ike. Ike had given a speech coming back, and I never, I, I have never seen a trip that was more of a fiasco than that trip. Can you imagine? You, you, you decide to visit your relatives in Cleveland, see... So you write them a letter and you, you visit your, uh, you you write and you say, I'm going to come now. I'm going to visit you guys. And you get a letter back and says, now wait a minute. My cousin raised the roof when he heard. And, and, and not only that, Aunt Min threw her shoes through the front window when, when she, when they heard you were coming. And you write back and say, I'm coming anyway. Doesn't make any difference. I'm coming. So you get down there and, and (laughs) you get to the house. It is all locked up. It is all locked up. The welcome mat has been removed. And you have to climb over the gate to get into the front door, even. And then you you, you walk back, you see, you get on the train, you come all the way home, and you meet meet this chick, and she says, how was your visit out to Cleveland? You say, well, actually, it was successful, really. Because, you see, uh, well, it depends on the way you look at it. It was successful because I have found that my relatives are people of spirit. I have found that my relatives are people with convictions, and more than that, they have found that I am a man of my word. I came, so actually, it worked out very well because uh, now we understand. Closer understanding has come about now as a result. Well, <laughs> this was the kind of speech it was, and Reston began his 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 piece. Uh, it was it was a a television speech that was, be, was to be delivered by Ingmar Johansson to the people of Sweden, uh, explaining his victory through defeat technique. Which, by the way, the first time I heard this technique was wild. And Incidentally, when a, when a nation begins to do that, look out. Things are... Intra- oh, daddy, when you begin to whistle in the dark like that. The first time I heard that was one time I remember the 9th Infantry Division in North Africa had run into about 47 units of Rommel's outfit and had mopped up the landscape with them. I mean, there were broken bicycles, there were bashed in helmets, there was a dust cloud in the distance where the guys were running, there were old rifles left all over, and that night there was a newscaster who came on the German radio. He said, elements of Rommel's? 14th, 15th, and 18th Panzer Division today affected a strategic withdrawal that leaves the American troops in a very dangerous position with extended lines, which could very well prove to be their final defeat. Uh, oh, daddy, extended lines. These guys left their mess kits. They were leaving their shoes. <laughs> there were socks spread all over the road. There were dentures, everything. <laughs> strategic withdrawal. And that was the first time I ran into that, see? And now suddenly it pops up here in another way. So I think this is now apropos as it has never been apropos before. I will now play you a cut from my LP, which sold seven copies, four of them to my brother, who mailed them to friends of his. I think you will enjoy it. and you will hear <laughs> all i have to say is that is that you will hear that endlessly 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 beginning next week and from both coasts it doesn't make any difference the dream goes on eternally and uh, to to prevent any any uh, any wild calling and to sell a record the uh... the record the preceding record was provided by me i paid for it uh... if you uh... (laughs) the record is the electra label and if uh... and if you have any politically minded type friends you know the indignant liver the indignant liberal or the the shell-bound reactionary they both talk exactly the same because underneath underneath that that uh, simple homespun exterior there always beats the heart of a true neanderthal doesn't make any difference what direction he takes you know <laughs> anyway the label is electra e l e k t r a and the name of the record is gene shepherd and other foibles and don't take any talk uh, you know it's an interesting thing there's a kind of there's a kind of uh, strange cabal, that I have had dozens, hundreds of letters, actually, in the past six months from people who say, every time I go into a record shop, they say, there's no such record. Well, you tell them there is, and it's on the Electra label, and to order it, I would be most happy. (laughs) I really would and uh, you know i would like to be right up there in the front uh, did i tell you the the excitement that i felt one day there i was right up there in the front window one day with a with a collection of of uh, irreplaceable classics that have been put on lp sung by judy canova i was right up there next to and and, and on the other side of me were 700 great hits sung by the crew cuts and uh, there i was right between the two of them my lp of course, that was one week. I was replaced by King Cole, but uh, <laughs> or Johnny Mathis, or something. <laughs> but uh, I, I, uh, I feel that the only that the only thing I can say about this is that is that we are entering a period in our history. We are en- or what do you mean entering? We've been in it. I mean, any any clown sitting on the edge of the swimming pool in Rome. When the, when the Nubian dancing girls were coming out and they were bringing out the gigantic uh, platters of grapes and the boar's heads was sitting there and once in a while he would say you know we're entering a period of history that might not be so good and of course for a hundred years it's been going on <laughs> and he's probably the final result of it but uh, we're never entering a period of history this isn't one of the great illusions too that people have that history comes in periods and that the next one's going to be better than the last Oh no. The story just goes on and on. It takes various changes and twists and the variations. I heard a guy today say with a straight face, friends, you're listening to music from the soaring 60s. I guess it was the flailing 50s that we came from and the flubbing 40s. But now it's the soaring 60s. <laughs> I'm always reminded of Chicken Little. But listen to this item. I mean, how can you, how can you ignore it? Listen to this comes from Washington. I'll have to deliver it. Ladies and gentlemen, here now is H.C. Grubbage and tonight's People Behind the People news. Good evening, friends, and Americans everywhere. Washington, District of Columbia, textbook authorities are pursuing a, quote, very cautious adoption policy the Washington Star reported in a survey last month. Among the victims of this so-called cautious policy are little black Sambo, Shakespeare's Merchant of Venice and Joel Chandler Harris's beloved Uncle Remus stories, which are now not used in District of Columbia schools. Quote, we try to make sure that the books we select are not objectionable to anyone. The star was told by Deputy Superintendent Lawson J. Contrell, who serves as chairman of the school system's general textbook committee. The newspaper reported, quote, the publishers themselves have eliminated most of the questionable material in the English and music texts. Only history, because of the intrinsic nature of the material, still presents a problem. If you will. (laughs) I couldn't help it. History does prevent present a certain problem when it comes to censoring. Well let me tell you this. Do you notice that the that the line is quoted as though the problem will be overcome? We will be able to get rid of that difficulty of history. I mean you know all those terrible things that happen in history. I mean I mean, you know? All those guys we're supposed to love were rotten guys like twenty years ago, and all the guys that that we love now, we're, I mean, and the guys that we're supposed to hate now were great guys 15 years ago. So history does present a certain problem, but you notice the way it's worded: only history, because of the intrinsic nature of the material, still presents a problem. the the The, the implication is that we will be able to take care of that. How many of you remember 1984? How many of you remember? 1984, and what was Winston's job? No, 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 I want that What was, what was, what was Winston's job? Do you remember what Winston did? I repeat, only history, because of the intrinsic nature of the material, still presents a problem. Oh, that rotten history, get it out of there! That is not the way history should sound. I had some nice string music. Much better history. (laughs) Yes. Oh, oh, set that up. Hold it. Hold it. Hold it. Hold it. I got a reason for that. Uh, uh, You got it? Uh, Is that uh, the special record? The special record. And speaking of, while we're getting this set up, oh, we're swinging tonight. I always swing when I got no audience. I'm swinging tonight. Uh, you know, uh, while we're on the, on the subject of swinging, we better get we better get one of these things out of the way. Can I have my? Uh, just keep that up over there. Don't lose that drum there. I gotta have that. I'm gonna read you something. I'm gonna read you something. Uh, hold on there a minute. Hold on there, boy. I get, I I happen to be uh, probably the only subscriber in the Western world to the confectionery ice cream makers quarterly. Do you know that the people who make ice cream and confection have, have, have their trade journal too? And I subscribe to it because I've always been a candy fan, ever since I once had my jaws stuck together by two Mary Janes for over three semesters in my third and fourth year. Uh, and so naturally i mean, it' close close to the subject and 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 uh getting to the roman uh, the, the Roman aspect of our civilization, if I could get no no i don 't need any music for this because it says it itself can 't you see this roman see he 's sitting on his duff and he 's on he 's in the old swimming pool is there and the and the maidens are swimming around, you know they 're gauzy things, and the Nubian dancing girls have come out. And they're plunking the lyre, and the guys are eating the grapes, and everybody's chewing away. I mean, it's it's, it's a tremendous spectacular. It's the biggest it's the biggest cookout you ever saw. And it's going on like mad. You know, everybody's swinging there, and everybody's wearing... And, and now we transpose it. We just get the picture out a little bit fuzzy, you see. And now, instead of togas, and instead of all those short little pants, the guys wearing a Bermuda thing, see. And, and the chick comes out, and she's got a bikini on, see. And, and, and she has she 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 might as well be the Nubian, you know. She's been working with the with the man tan, and there's a lady tan now for man tan. And so she's out there, and and there the the, the the coals are burning away there, you know, and the steaks are frying, and Montavani is playing. It's the same picture, you see. I read to you. I quote. I quote. Now we we look down upon guys that roast an entire oxen, don't we? I mean, this is going a little far, isn't it? I mean, you know. An entire oxen on a spit. I mean, that's kind of... I mean, we, we always look down. We always do. I'm sure we look down. When a guy has a gigantic goat skin of wine brought out and starts squirting it in his guest's mouth. I mean, this is going a little far. I mean, fun is fun. But a certain... Listen to this now. I read to you directly from the confectionery ice cream world. This is a direct quote. Mountain climbers, skiers, and other specialists in high altitudes and low temperatures will find a real challenge in an ice cream sundae that is now being served for $25 in a Brooklyn ice cream parlor. The serving, listen, includes, listen to this sundae, talk about the Romans. I, can, I have nothing but pictures of, of oxen being roasted on spits. I have pictures of gigantic golden cornucopias pouring out Nubian handmaidens. Listen to this. Oh, if I had... Get me my guitar music. Hey, somebody... What, what's that over there? Huh? That's no good. That's no good either. No, no, Dixieland will never do it. This has got to be sensual guitar music. I will describe what you can get for $25 in a Brooklyn ice cream parlor. Uh, speaking, of, speaking of Roman orgies, this is WOR AM and FM, New York. In the old Big Apple... We will be here. all already, Eddie? Ah, uh, here it comes. Listen. You can get this. We're, we're, we're rapidly approaching something very interesting. <speaking> in <Spanish> Sensuality. <speaking> in <Spanish> this ice cream Sunday takes a counterman working at full speed over 35 minutes to concoct. He takes a large silver bowl resembling a punch receptacle. Large, big. And working with a snow shovel and Alpenstock, he sets out to construct this 20th century oxen that roasts over its own Westinghouse spit. Three gallons of ice cream are used. Fourteen flavors. Atop the ice cream, which is dished out in individual balls and scoops until it resembles a small mountain in this great silver receptacle, ice cream brightly colored sherbets are piled to create a rainbow effect. Six whole stalks of bananas like ski poles in the snow are placed along the frozen slopes. Slabs of pound cake are stacked along the sides like shingles. And these serve likely as not to stem any avalanche that might bury one of the celebrants. Whipped cream a foot thick crowns the concoction like the snow cap on Mount Everest. And then frozen pineapple is poured like lava down the gullies and crevices down the sides like the spring thaw The peak is dotted with over two quarts of cherries. And the whole is garnished with fruit salad, coconut, strawberries, sprinkles, and nuts. Twenty-five dollars. The name of the ice cream shop available upon request. It's been a long time since I've skewered an oxen on a spit. All right, George. (laughs) It's been a long time. I mean, a real long time, Dad. Uh, What is I going to do here? I can't think now. I'm searching, searching. 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 We had Dixie had the razzmatazz. I know what it is. I know what it is. Hold still. Hold still. Yes, I know. Don't worry. I know where we stand. Never for an instant. Never. All because, you see, we're sitting next to this pool, and we take many, many stances as we sit next to this pool. Now, How long has it been since you've been in an East Side lunchery with the music, the sweet, soft sounds of the melocrino strings drifting out over the celebrants? The supplicants is perhaps the better word. Those who eternally are on their knees, eternally worshiping at some vast, some vast, unmentionable idol. And the music floats out, and the credit cards move back and forth like the shuffles. Don't ever be caught with cash in your jeans, Dad. That's as gauche as you can get. And, and, and all the while, can't you just see? The sales manager now has taken, has taken the salesman down for their weekly lunch. Of course, it's a business expense. And so naturally, deductible. Four martinis apiece. Maybe a screwdriver here and there for a sore head. And a grasshopper for one of the one of the lesser fry. Seven roast squab are brought out. Uh d'oeuvres. And then the main dish, filet of sole, flown over directly by de Gaulle himself, who flew over flapping his arms and brought with him some real French peasant butter. And that don't gum cheap. But it's a business expense. A real business three-and-a-half hours go by and the music is floating back and forth, the sounds of that beautiful, soft, eternal music, the clatter of the lovely silver and the rustle of snowy napkins can be heard. And then, as our man, the sales manager, gets up, of course, this is to justify the expense for the unfortunate people who work in Washington. <coughs> now, fellas. <coughs> 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 and he takes his knife and <coughs> <coughs> now, uh, first thing I want to say today, fellas, is this has been one of the best luncheon meetings we've had in a long time. I'll tell you why. I've got something to tell you. There's something to tell you. The ad men tell me that life is going to do an eight-page spread on us next week. I'd I mean, it's a think piece. And uh, I don't want to say anything. It's, where, where, where? Jimmy, come on up here. Jimmy gets up and walks forward, the head of the promotional department. Folks, Jimmy pulled it. Pulled it off. Eight pages in life next week. A think piece. And I want to tell you, fellas, all of us together here, that none of us count for anything unless all of us are together and involved. I'm the boss, sure. I'm, it could be any of you. It doesn't make any difference. There's no boss in our company. No boss. And there's no... Well, you know what I mean, boss. Charles, will you tell him to bring some more brandy? Now, this afternoon we're gathered here today to talk about magnificent July, as I come to call it. Have you? It? It's our program to put us really over the doldrums, the summer doldrums. And our problem is to bring, is to bring, well, the truth about our product. The truth about our product. The truth about our product. And suddenly, out of the out of the Muzak loudspeakers, which for years have been dealing in Melocrino and David Rose, the, suddenly comes this sound. He tries to ignore it. Says, uh, <clears throat> Jimmy, I want you to come up here in about five minutes or so, and I want you to tell the boys, I want to outline them what this think piece is about in life, because we're going to follow it up with a sales program, a sales campaign that just isn't going to stop." It's not going to stop. That uh, blues thing there, yeah? Is that it? That blues? That blues, man? I'm belting it out. Oh, stop. <laughs> stop. Where's... What's this one? What's this cover? Oh, that's the one. Oh. oh, it's too late now. All right, all right. And so he goes on talking when suddenly... Stop it. Now hold it there. I wonder if there would be some way to get a record like this played on one of these things that play these records all the time. You know, that come out of... Can't you see all the girls coming into into this new Seagram building, you know, all the music is playing like mad 20, 40 feet away before you even reach the building at 8 in the morning and and all this sweet plunking is going on, and all those fountains are squirting up in the air, and that aggressive building is just sitting there aggressing all over the place, and you walk into that chrome stainless steel lobby, and you're waiting for the chrome stainless steel automatic elevator to come to you, and you're standing there, and finally it comes... <sharp inhale> boom. The door goes and you get in with four other people all holding briefcases. And the music is playing away. Da, da, do, de, da. This soft, cold porter, never, never land music behind you. When suddenly, everybody's standing there. I can't get no hearing from that guy. People screaming in the tent in Arkansas. Sure you hear what he said? People screaming and cannot see. What did he say? People screaming and I cannot see? The I am going to leave message. Backwater him. been all over for me. <laughs> bilge backed up all over me. People think it's raining. People think it's raining. It has been for nights and days. I've been sinning night and day. What's this? It's just raining. I'm getting off the 23rd floor. That's three floors short, but I've got to get out. He's just singing out of that loudspeaker. Could you get away from it? This raunchy, eroded-looking face peering out from you, peering out from a couple of rusted bars in a West Texas cell. He's belting it out at you. His torn work shirt hanging by four threads. I mean, he's not one of the modern people. He is not a sociable. This guy is not sociable. This guy just is not. He's, I wonder if he owns any mutual funds. If he's making money the way the big money men make it. Why, sir? Backwater woman. What's he talking about? I wonder. I wonder if he if he if he reads, it'll just go right into the, the next. Who's this one? What's this one coming on now? Oh, what are they trying to say? I don't like the sound of this. I can just tell. I don't like the sound of this. How long is this elevator going to go up? How? Can't you just see you walking past this bank on Fifth Avenue that has the music playing out all the time? On my hair and suddenly this guy comes belting it out past those vaults. What to do 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 my I couldn't help it. I would turn right into that bank. I would turn my life savings of over $4 into them to do I what they want with it. Night, I had a dream last and night, baby. I had a dream in my baby. <coughs> Take him away. I need some people that Take that crummy old bum away. Them Take him away. away. Get, him Get him out of here. Get him out of here. Get him out. Out, out, out safe. Oh, can't you see those staring eyes? Smell that sneaky Pete hanging there in the air? I mean, you, A guy can't sit down and have a decent lunch anymore. Not being bothered. And then the entire sales meeting adjourns. And there's a funny feeling <laughs> inside of it that somebody did an awful thing terrible trick. Speaking of terrible tricks, your general tire dealer is having his big summer sale. And I would like to recommend that if you're going to put new rubber on the heap, you see your general tire dealer. I mean, you know, if you're going to spring, you might as well do it that way. I saw a sign. I don't know whether anybody else has seen it. It must have been a mirage. I'd like to hear somebody else that heard this sign or saw it. I mean, it must have been a mirage. There was a sign. I'm walking along a dark street over in the 30s, right off of Madison Avenue, between Madison and Lex. which is a real business-type area, you know, a lot of fancy offices and, and places where they sell dictaphones and all that. I'm walking along there, and there is a sign in the window, and this girl is looking out. And there's a little caption under it, sort of balloon-like, that she has said this. And it says, If I knew that I had just 30 seconds to live, I'd like... Now, just thirty minutes to live. I'd like to live those thirty minutes as a clairol model. A clairol hair hair model. If I had thirty minutes to live, I would like to live it as a clairol model. You know that a model isn't real. Look up the word model. A model is an imitation of something. You know. A model ship. <laughs> I would like to live it as a Clairol model. And I'm walking a little bit, and I said to myself, do I want to live... A just a minute here. I can see myself with with, uh, with Paul Hesse taking my picture. I have just won the Miss Rangold contest. I, I don't know whether I want to live my last 30 minutes. I... I And and, and I'm walking a little bit further and I get in the bus and I'm riding uptown and I'm beginning to wonder what would I like to spend my last 30 minutes of as, if, and but. If somebody said you have 30 minutes to live, Shepard, you can live it any way you want to live it. How would I live it? Would you like to live it as a left-hander for the Yankees? Just been called in to quell a fire in the ninth inning? The Baltimore Orioles have exploded? Maybe. (laughs) You know, I might consider it. That would be a great way to spend my last 30 minutes wouldn't it toiling out there on the mound. would you like to would you like to spend it way up up 40 40 50 60 stories by the way the loveliest thing in our city today i think are these etched these etched skeletons of the new buildings that are going up all over the east side the etched skeletons of these buildings standing up there against the skyline they're beautiful they, they, they immediately lose their beauty when they start putting the stuff over, but oh, those skeletons are lovely. And by the way, speaking of skeletons, why is it, you know, we've lost the daredevils. There hasn't been anybody try to go over, over the falls in a rubber barrel in years. There has been nobody wing walk over Manhattan. We've lost the daredevils. I mean, the, the, the guys the guys who 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 always there was always some guy issuing a challenge saying that he could leap off a high dive four hundred feet high and land and, and, and take all comers. Anyone wants to bet him he'd do it. And thousands of people would gather on the appointed day this guy would jump right off and disappear like an ink blot into the cement. And everyone would say, well, fine George. And, and he died knowing that he did it right, you know? He went feeling perfectly justified. there isn't one guy that went over that went over the falls in a barrel and knew he was going to his death that didn't feel like somehow at least he was doing it better than the guy that got the gout. you know there's no can't you just see can't you just see a a present day hero? can't you uh, oh no, we can't if if we were living in the twenties, if we were living in the twenties now, no, if we were living in the twenties now, there would be a wire some guy would put a wire from the Seagram building, from the top of the Seagram building to the 666 building. And on Sunday afternoon, there would be an announcement on the front page of the New York Times. Wondrous Willie will make his dangerous trek today at three. Can he do it? Thousands of people are asking, will he be able to do it? Millions of people with bated breath all over the world are waiting to see if this daredevil will be able to complete the dangerous journey unscathed. And at three o'clock in the afternoon, wondrous Willie would begin his dangerous trek riding a bicycle over a thin ribbon of steel stretched from the Seagram building all the way over to the 666 building. And on his shoulders would be his wife, Wanda. And on top of her would be a small polar bear holding a long stick. And on the end of each stick would be a midget. And they would slowly work their way and millions of people would gather and they would strike. 15, 20 minutes go by, and Wondrous Willie is making his way across the deadly chasm, thousands of stories above the street, and no nets. None whatsoever. Not a single net. Oh, what a dream. I mean, I'd be right there, you know. <laughs> I'd be right there. Wondrous Willie. <laughs> Gee, what a great name I just invented. (laughs) Can't you just see Wondrous Willie? I mean, already. Uh, You know what we think a brave man is now? A guy who will go on a quiz show without pre-line questions. An ad lib. A brave man is a man who sits on a television show late at night and tells about how once he used to be hooked on taffy apples. And he had to take the cure 400 times. And he does it by... And gets AfroScale. This is called... (laughs) This is Brave Man, you know. Where are the wondrous willies? I mean, who really did it? I mean, by George, really did it. Uh, uh, I guess what I need is a load leveler. I mean, I still bottom when I hit the bumps. I mean, the big clunking noise, you know. And my tailpipe drags. No question about it. Where are the wondrous... Well, they're never going to come out of this coming generation, let me tell you. Nor out of my generation, I could tell you that. Uh, they're not... Because, uh, look, I mean, what, what do you expect of a generation? I mean, look at this. I'm, I'm looking at the New Yorker very innocently the other day, and there's an FAO Schwartz ad. And, and, and in the FAO Schwartz ad is the is picture of a sand castle. In the FAO Schwartz ad. And listen to this. The th- the, 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 I, I read to you the caption sandcastle made with powerful plastic molds. Has your kid made bad sandcastles out of Jones Beach lately? Does he feel inferior that he does not know how to handle sand properly? Buy him these beautiful plastic sand molds that include four sturdy molds, precast walls, turrets, towers, keeps, corners, great halls, moats, and dungeons. Does this kid know what a dungeon was like? No, of course not. Do you know what a dungeon was? Look that word up. It's a perfect description of most of your lives, including mine. A dungeon down there in that dark keep. You know what is it, a keep? Oh, and you can buy it now. The the size of your castle limited only by the size of your beach. Mortar board and shaping tool included. Isn't that sad? You can't even make your own sandcastles anymore. A kid that gets a pre-molded sandcastle. A pre-molded sandcastle. I can see the day. I can see it now. I can already see the day when out around the outskirts of New York, there will spring on vacant lots, places that at night and during the day too, have great big signs that say, fly a kite. Fly a kite without all that old trouble of running, without trying to get it up, without all that old trouble. Just have the real fun. Just stand and hold the string. 25 cents an hour and there'll be 15 kites up there hanging in the sky, and 15 kids will be standing down there at a quarter of an hour hanging on the kites that other people are flying. Oh, whither goest, oh, indeed, oh, 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 stop and stop in thy flight! Cut it out, history! Get out of here! a old crummy history keeps marching. I'm tired of the whole mess of history. We're going to have to do something about that. Dungeons. Keeps, moats, dungeons, keeps and moats. Well, I don't know. I don't know whether or not I can. I don't know. I have. I must say this. Where is it? I'll find it. I never miss. Well, that's not quite true. I mean, that's not quite true. Fifteen men on a dead man's chest. Yo-ho, 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 ho-ho, ho. yo ho yo ho 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 15 men on a dead man's chest. Casey mounted to the cabin with his orders in his hand. Casey Jones... Mounted to the cabin with his orders in his hand, oh, there was an old monk of Siberia whose life it grew drearier and drearier. We will award the brass figleggy with bronze oak leaf palm to the poor mendicant, the poor ragged traveler on the yellow brick road of fate, who can give us the last three lines to that one, and do it with a yell as you break from your cell. <laughs> There was an old monk of Siberia whose life it grew drearier and drearier, whose life it grew drearier and drearier, till he broke from his cell and with a yell. I'll let you fill in the last line there. I'll let you fill in the last. Here's to wives and sweethearts sweet. May they never meet. (laughs) <laughs> Do you know the last line to that one? I'll tell you, if you know the last line to the one about the old monk of Siberia, you're one of us. I heard that when I was nine years old at a cub meeting. I'll never forget that. I was sitting around there. We were tying sheep shank knots. When the kid next to me leaned over and told me about the old monk from Siberia, my life has never been the same since. That was the turning point. There was, there once was a young man from Azizes whose ears were two different sizes. With the left, he won prizes, but with the. Do you want to hear the rest of that one? I'll award you the brass figlegi if you know the last lines of that one, Daddy. You too. You too. Come on, come on, get out of my hair, will you? Come on, get out of here. I'll rewrite this if I. if it kills me. If it kills me, I'm going to rewrite this. I'll take all those papers, all those little bits of paper, all those old phone numbers, all those old appointments, all those, all those terrible thoughts. You know, it's a funny thing. I'm sitting, I'm I'm sitting in a movie one time just before I I became a member of, of the vast, of the vast army of democracy. I'm sitting, do you know, do you realize that there is a man alive today, right now, this minute, doc? There is a man alive right at this minute, might even be listening to us, who maybe seventy five years from now, or maybe a hundred years from now, I don't know, what with the new wonder drugs who, who 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 will be the last one alive of the guys who went through Camp Crowder, the guys who were, you know, went through the whole bit, who listened to General Hersey speak, and, and who, who were there, you know. The last guys of World War two. There will be one last guy, and he will swear on a stack of Bibles that he shook Franklin Delano Roosevelt's hand. He heard him say, it is a day that will live in infamy. I was right there when he said it. And furthermore, he will tell about the time that Monty walked right past him and how he chased Rommel over 400 feet himself, the desert fox. There's some guy alive right now. Well, just before I became a member of the Armed Forces, I'm sitting in this theater, the Orpheum Theater, a little broken down. The Orpheum, do you know what Orpheus means? Friend, you know why they got all those theaters named Orpheum, huh? You know what Odeon means? You know huh? Well, you've come to the guy who does, and it's done me no bit of good. It's gotten me nowhere except Sunday night at Class X time on the 4th of July. I'm here on Easter's too. Be so, I'm very big on Easter. I'm also excellent, wonderful on Christmas Eve. I mean, I'm right here. So I'm, I'm sitting there, you know, I'm, I'm just about to, to, to go. I've already received my orders, and all these people are walking up and down the aisles with cams, and they have just played the Russian national anthem on the screen. And they showed thousands of Russians marching, fighting the wicked hordes on the long, vast, snowy stretches of Stalingrad. And there isn't a dry eye in the house. And all of us are throwing our money out. And, and we loved them. The sounds of balalikas are playing. How can I erase history? I mean... Yes, sir, that's my baby. No, sir. I mean, you know what... He, well, uh, yes, sir. Oh, well. I mean, I mean... Don't accept any substitutes, man. I mean... Don't accept any... Any... any. Ask for the genuine. Remember that. Ask for the genuine. I... I... Stop. Hold it. Hold it, Ed. Stop. Look me right in the eye and tell me whether or not you can give me the name of all of the Lane sisters. Can you tell me all the people who sang with Kay Kaiser's band? Oh, anyone knows Ginny Sims? Come on. Come on now. Who was the one who sang the singing titles in a sweet voice over the open when he was imitating Sammy Kay? Huh? Isn't there one of you who remembers Sully Mason? Not one. What kind of an American. Isn't there one of you out there? Not one of you who remembers Harry Babbitt. Of course I remember Ish Khabibble with his bangs and his bass. I remember Country Washburn. Do you? No. How many of you can tell me how Jerry Colonna got on the Bob Hope show? Not as a funny man. Oh, no. He was a, he was a fine musician in his day. I'll award the brass figure for Americanism above and beyond the call of duty for those of you who can tell me what instrument he played. Oh, what a... you call yourself an American No wonder you can't sit down and read Little Black Sambo. No wonder you can't face up to Uncle Remus. No wonder you can't read The Wizard of Oz. Of course not. No wonder. And don't forget, accept no substitutes. Oh, yes, and and remember, try it tomorrow morning. Get out of bed, sleep, you know, north, south, don't face west. Get out of bed, right foot first. Remember, right foot first. Point the toes of your shoes inward and point them north. Try it. If you're lucky and if it works, by next by next week you won't have to listen to me. You won't want to. You'll be sitting down there at Sardi's with the rest of them with your black glasses on, smoking 75-cent cigars. And here's luck to you, man. I hope you make it. By George, I hope you make it. ends another Sunday evening with Gene Shepard over WOR Radio, WOR AM and FM in New York, an RKO General station. It's one o'clock. At this time, WOR FM, owned and operated by RKO General, concludes its broadcast